without further ado, all right, you're uh, on. Very good. Thank you, Bonnie. Um, hey, we give Bonnie an endorsement here. Uh, can you all hear me? Am I coming through a little bit? Not yet. It'll come. It'll come. It's coming. Here it comes. There it is. Thank you, James Earl Jones. All right. Um, and Bonnie, I think, has... Are there? I can't see. Are there business cards back there for Bonnie? Any contact info? All right. We'll try to get that at the break in case you want more information about Bonnie and what she does. But um, good stuff, what they do up there at Cackleberry Farm. You guys know where that is? Cackleberry Antique Mall, just a mile and a half up the road. All right. Very good. All right. Hey, welcome tonight to Love You. Good to see you guys. You don't need that. Woo! Yeah, go Wichita State. All right. No one cares about that, seriously. All right, yeah, they came in second this afternoon. Um, so for those of you who care about basketball and all that, you know, it stinks to be you, okay? So here we go. We're going to um, maybe, Joel, do you mind getting that remote all the way over there that I can't reach from here while, while we do that? Um, here's how we're going to break it up tonight. We're going to just pick back up with a little bit of a conversation. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. um, about a, a, a topic we started on last week, um, and we're going to go for about a half hour on this baby um, and then take a break, um, and then we'll hear from our other sponsors, Edgar and Evelyn, uh, after that, and then we'll, we'll carry on through the night. So I want to pick up on this topic um, called um, family background, and this is a pretty important deal for us, which is why we're letting it expand out to two different uh, weeks this way. Um, this is perhaps, as Jen and I do... Um, yeah, as we've done premarital counseling in our home in our living room, and some of you have survived that event with us. This is often the toughest night for us, and we're kind of honest with people about that. That we're um, we're not trying to make it hard, but it just becomes difficult because of the nature of the topic. It's a little heavier, a little more personal, um, and a lot is put on the table because of the impact of it. Because as we said last week, there's really no other shaping influence stronger than mom and dad, or mom or dad, depending on how you've been raised. Um, so as we have set that up, I would like us tonight to think just for a minute. I'd like us to, to, to move to be thinking theologically for a minute, okay? So if you have your handout, if you don't have a handout, there's one in the pew around you. That's our gift to you. You can take that and read that and leave with you. All right. Um, that handout, if you don't, if, does everyone have a? No? No one has? Okay. <laughs> they're at the, they're at the, there we go, everyone, okay, yep, thank you, thank you, everyone got a table rep, look at that, look how organized we are, immediately, all y'all designated, those are beavers, the, the beavers, are those are the, beavers, those are the ple pleasers, they're either, either the pleasers or the doers, like someone's got to do it, I'm going to go get it done right now, or that people will be happy with me if I go get my table handouts, I don't know which one it is, all right, very good, thank you, all you beavers, lions, whoever y'all are for doing that. Okay, as those spread around, um, the front part of this will be uh, this first session's material and kind of the, the space, if you have a writing utensil, if you don't, that's fine. You can just memorize your comments and, instead of writing. But um, we want to kind of think theologically for a minute about parents. And this, this sounds kind of funny, but we want to think theologically about, about parents. Um, and, and here's what I mean by that that as we've talked about, if you've been with us at all in the services Sunday morning or if you kind of know our theological background, uh, you've heard me say before uh, that, that everyone is made in God's image, right? That, that we're made in creation uh, for perfection and that as people, 
that each one of us, um, therefore, because we're made in God's image, there is an inherent, and this is important, okay, this, there is an inherent dignity in, in each one of us. There's an inherent glory of God in us because of how we're made in God's image. And that's important to think about as we think about parents, because I want you to process that before we get to the next part. That as a creature, you were raised by somebody or somebody's who has a, a mark of God's glory um, and, and strength and, and joy and love in him and in her. And so when you think about mom and dad, there are some things about mom and dad that you may wish were different, but there's also the reality that you can think there's something very positive about mom and dad, something that's passed down to you that you are grateful for. And that, to me, theologically, is that's part of the image of God in man and woman. Now, if we have the, the image of God as the glory, now, if you think about this with me for a minute, we also know that, that sin has marked all of us. Now, this is my theological worldview that we talk about on Sunday mornings. We step into the muck and mire, and we kind of live there. And so... What I believe in Romans 3.23 is true for all have, you got, some of you know that, all have what? Sin. Sinned and, and fall short of the glory of God, okay? Which also means mom and dad, right? Yeah. yeah. So, 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 so your mom and dad are sinners, right? Okay, well, yeah, that's true. Now, if you tell mom and dad that, that may not go so well. <laughs> But isn't it true? But isn't it true? Because uh, everybody is. Because everybody is. And so we have not only mixed within us the glory of man, but we also have mixed right in that is the depravity of man. Now, now, how does it feel? Just think about this. How does it feel as I talk about that with you? In fact, the kind of nervous laughter of, boy, imagine if I told mom and dad that you're a sinner. Like, that doesn't go well when you're five, let alone when you're 35. It probably won't go well. Why not? Because there's this... There's this feel of, boy, I don't want to, and here's the problem, I don't want to take mom and dad as I think about the depravity of my parents. There's a problem thinking about this, and the problem is I don't want to take mom and dad and throw them under the bus. The problem is the bus. I don't want to take mom and dad and throw them under the bus, because why? Because they did. Anyone ever say this? Mom and dad, despite all the problems they had, they did the best they could. Right? They did the best they could with what they had. Right? Yeah, okay. Hold the comments on that one. All right, just, or keep them to a dull roar on that one. Right? But mom and dad did the best they could with what they had. Right? And so, so here's the problem. If we're all depraved, and your mom and your dad are depraved, and my mom and my dad are depraved, and Jen's mom and dad certainly are depraved. <laughs> then, right, then not only, now, now check this out, not only has their glory impacted us, and their glory has shaped us, and we look at mom and dad and say, man, that's been a good thing about that. We also need to acknowledge the reality that their depravity has shaped us, right? That their depravity has impacted us. That their sin has molded us and shaped us. And if mom and dad are the most important influencers in your life, it becomes very important for you and me to understand the impact of depravity on my life and your life. Okay? So, 
Here's the, the problem. The problem is the, the bus and the result of not wanting to throw mom and dad under the bus, not wanting to say, man, my parents are losers, they're terrible. We tend to give mom and dad a pass. And I think there's something right and honorable about respecting mom and dad, okay? And I want to be clear. I'm not talking about let's try to run over all of our moms and dads tonight. That's not the spirit of it. Thinking theologically, everybody has glory and depravity kind of wired into them. That's just kind of the way it is. But the, the result is, it's kind of like, like this. When we are afraid of throwing mom and dad under the bus and talking about their depravity on us, here's, here's what happens. And think about this image with me for a minute, okay? The, the bathroom scale. Yeah. Now, I don't know how much you weigh. I don't really want to know how much you weigh. Um, but here's the thing. You weigh what you weigh whether you know it or not. Right? And so the only way to kind of get on top of what you weigh is to know what you weigh, right? I mean, so some of us avoid the bathroom scale because I don't want to know. But what does that change? Nothing. You still weigh that, right? But I don't want to step on the scale because it might be too painful for me to see what happened to me since Christmas time, right? And I don't want to know. Well, if you don't want to know, the only one that's being hurt is, is you because the facts are still the same. It's just a matter of are you going to be willing to look at it and say, this is who I am. Now, this is the problem. When we say we don't want to throw mom and dad under the bus and we don't push in to the conversation about how mom and dad's depravity has impacted us, we are still the same people. It's just a matter of whether you have ever stepped on that scale and said, oh, let me look down and see. This is how mom and dad have impacted me and changed me and shaped me. And this is the issue with the scale. And so what we try to do in premarital is we try to have that conversation. And we gave you homework. Some of you may have gotten to it, some may not have. A bunch of questions um, about parents and how they shaped you, how they raised you. So what I'd like you to do briefly around the table now is pick up a couple of those questions. They're going to be safe ones for you around the table, but we'd like you to just take a minute now. And here's, here are two questions that I'd like you to talk about around your table. Okay, these are going to be safe. No one's parents are going to be thrown under the bus, so to speak, but it will get you thinking about how you were raised a little bit more uh, deeply here, okay? So number one, the first thing I want you to talk about around your table is this. Talk about the emotions that were expressed by your parents in your home, okay? So talk about what emotions were expressed by your parents. Got that? That's number one. Number two, and then I want you to talk about um, essentially how did your parents communicate to you? Okay, what was that communication line like? Okay, so we're just going to keep it that. That's fairly safe for anybody to talk about. What, what emotions were expressed and what was communication like within your home? Okay, we're good? So take, take a couple minutes. We're not going to take a long time, three, four minutes around your table. Process that together. What emotions were expressed openly and how, and what did communication look like in, in your home together? Okay, ready? All right, good discussion. All right, who, um, who would like to share the dirt on their neighbor? There we go, all right. <laughs> all right, just, just talk real quick. Um, any, any similarities, any surprises, any um, kind of gut-level reactions to that conversation around your table? Any like, whoa, like they had that issue too, or wow, like we, maybe we weren't like that, and whoa. Any, any kind of little aha moments or, you know, a little, hmm, wow, interesting, yeah. Didn't realize they were that bad, okay, yeah. 
but give me general feedback here. How'd that conversation go? It's good. It's good. Yeah. In case you couldn't hear that, mom did a lot of talking and dads didn't speak when they did. It's like, whoa, we listened to dad. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Yep. Good stuff. Okay. Anything else? I'm not fishing for anything. Just kind of want to see what's out there and what your tables, how the conversation went. <laughs> so when I first started going over to his, his parents' place, it was a little overwhelming. It was only like, there's only people hugging me. Um, yeah. And just getting used to the expression of, you know, some families are a little more, um, if you feel kind of um, mm-hmm. right. Absolutely. Okay, good. So difference even in how love is, is communicated, how it's sent and received, essentially. Absolutely. Good. Good. Anything else? Any big big thoughts around your tables? So the importance of words, uh, and for better or for worse, a lot was said, <laughs> right, within the home. Good. Now, some would have that be very different, um, and there, there was a lot of guessing as to what people were really thinking. Um, others had diarrhea of the mouth and just kept <laughs> kept talking a lot. Um, but good. Okay. Good. Now, let me, let me take this just a little bit further and push this out a little bit further, and you can step in and correct me anywhere you would like, on, on, unless... Yeah, turn the mic on. Maybe. <laughs> Good. Um, when... Well, <laughs> sorry, the table just vibrated up here. Seismic shift or something. Um, here's the thing. When... Um, when we have this reality of depravity hitting us and the reality of that our parents are depraved, um, often we don't think about it because of the bus problem. We don't really want to get on the scale. We don't want to make them ashamed or what have you in the course of conversation. But um, the, the questions we wanted you to push out further that are a little more private and personal would be between you and your spouse or just yourself at home um, on positives and negatives of mom and dad and, and where and why. And the reason we wanted to push that out to you was to to have you engaged and think about and kind of get on the scale of saying, this is, this is what has shaped me. These things about mom and dad that I may not have liked have shaped me, not that they're bad people. So here's what happens when the more, and put it this way, the less that you've processed about how mom and dad have shaped you, then the less you, able you are to love well. The more codependent you become. When you get delivered into adulthood, um, if you are not able to speak clearly of where mom and dad have, have 
kind of shaped you, then what will happen in your relationships is you're going to need the other person to fill that spot that mom and dad have kind of maybe missed or mal-shaped, if that's a word, within you. So I, the need for Jen, then, in my case, to fill my needs of my identity, my self-confidence will be greater unless I'm able to process how I've been shaped as a child coming in. And so the more I can see where I've come from, the more I'm able to give rather than receive in relationship. So I put the principle this way, okay, on, on the screen. That the more clearly I can verbalize the impact of my parents' sin on me, the more loving I can be. The more, and those words are important to me, um, and, I, and I hope to you, that the more clearly you can actually verbalize and you can say and you can speak out, because words, I've said it before, words are the tools that we use to create reality. And so when we just think about it as a passing thought, it's just not enough. Uh, and honestly, this session is not enough <laughs> at all to get down into the depths of how mom and dad have shaped you, but it's a starting block. Uh, but in, the more that, more clearly you can actually speak it out, write it out, see it, and say it, this is how the depravity of my mom and dad, or mom or dad or whatever, have shaped me, have impacted me, then honestly, the more loving you can be. The more, the more loving you can be. The more complete person you can be the more you're going to be able to be a giver and not just a receiver in the context of a relationship. Now, for, for Jen and I, um, <laughs> I'm going to share the dirt on her parents because they're, they're here, but we're going to take an extended session. He just had his birthday, that. so he's not worried about getting birthday presents. So he's exactly just going to let it all out. No. <laughs> Don't blame me. It's not my fault. <laughs> Um, so this is, <laughs> this is the interesting dynamic, right, of the fact that many of you have, um, some of you have parents even in the room now, um, some of you have parents that, that others know, and so the thought of talking about something bad about mom and dad just feels counterintuitive. It feels like the bus, right? It feels like, I don't want to talk about it, because they did the best they could, right? They, I believe that. They did the best they could. But sin is also part of our world. And so here's what I know. For Jen and I, how we've... Um, We've, we've had to process this, and honestly, it's been, it's been painful to stand on that scale, if I'm, if I'm honest with you, and I think you'd say the same thing. It's been painful to stand there and, and stay there and look and press into that and see things about mom and dad that normally I would just want to pass over, even in my own mind, because I want to honor them even in my own mind and heart, let alone to you guys, right? I mean... I want you to know that I respect and honor my mom and dad, and I do. I do. I mean, it, they do. They did the best they could. But here's where I turn this now. If this is true for my parents, it's also true for me, right? And so I never want my kids to come to one of these sessions. It's as simple as that. <laughs> because my sin right now is impacting my children, and that's the reality of my life. And so my impatience, right, my, my lack of compassion sometimes, my drive sometimes it can be a little misplaced is also shaping the little hearts of my kids as we walk through life here together and, and that's been a reality now we've we have seen a great value in getting on the scale together making a time to do that and saying okay we are going to talk through some of these questions we're going to process where have we come from why and how and we had help in that process okay we had another person help walk us through that 
and kind of move us and shape that conversation with us. And it was very helpful. But it was it was so it was so helpful for us that we would love it for everybody because we skip right through it by and large and just think mom and dad the best I could now on with life. Great. We just the facts that we don't know can hurt us. And and we are better at loving and giving love when we know where we've come from. So for us we'd say it's worth the time to have the conversation. It's worth the time to talk about these questions. And it is also a reality as we think about our parenting, um, the fact that my sin, and it's sobering, is in it, that my sin impacts the way that I am shaping my kids. So I have a little more to say, but do you have anything you want to add to that conversation? I think that's pretty good. I mean, I think it shows up, you know, it showed up early on in our marriage when just the typical, like, why are you doing it that way? Just the things that you don't stop to think about because they are ingrained in you from from the way you were raised, and they're not they're not all bad even, but it just helps to talk about it and to to think, you know, can I get down deeper? Can I can I change this? Can I grow as a person and um, and relate better with you? Have a stronger marriage, a stronger relationship. And, um, you know, maybe not pass that issue on to our kids. We'll just pass other ones on. Right. <laughs> but try to overcome some of them. Right. One example that you guys want to share a little bit quick. Um, for me, as I've been processing the last several years, um, one of the things that I've realized is my kind of capacity to risk or willingness to risk um, has, uh, has increased over the last several years. Um, the reason, one of the reasons why it wasn't as, I wasn't willing to risk as much earlier was because I needed approval and affirmation from people in order to feel like I was doing my job well. I needed to know that people were able to affirm me because of my insecurities, even in leadership. And so as I'm getting into um, where I've come from and realizing how I've been shaped, I'm kind of pulling some of that all the way back to, to how I was raised and how I was shaped. And in that process, you know, what, what I've seen, even at GPC over the last couple of years, is all of a sudden, all of a sudden, quote unquote, but in the course of our development, there has been corporately a greater willingness to risk. And I think part of it is also, personally for me, a greater willingness to risk and say, why not try it? What happens if it fails? What if people don't like me? What's the worst that could happen? And, and that's not a, meant to be a cold-hearted fact. It's just meant to be, okay, my, Don't um, let that control you. My identity, my confidence, um, and my ability, I think, to give and receive love has changed over the last several years. Much to do with the fact that I was able to step on the scale and stop and look at it and say, whoa, this is where I've come from. You know, and, and the implications of that, for me, has been pretty significant that way. So, that's my little story. Do you guys want to share anything? And then we'll take some... Comments from the crowd. Um, I, I feel like last week we shared a whole lot on uh, about how we were shaped and, and, and that kind of thing. And the the I won't say the unique thing, but uh, the, a neat thing <clears throat> that um, Angela and I have been able to do. Uh, my parents were in their um, were in their forties whenever they had whenever they had me, and they had already. They had already had six pregnancies. They lost their first one, had four girls, lost another one. And so they had been through growing pains, so to speak, and they kind of, kind of learned how to, 
how to do this thing. And so their impact on me and shaping influences on me were a little bit more developed than, say, with my sisters, uh, all of my sisters. And, uh, and then with, with Angela's folks, um, I have a, 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 a neat... We, we were able, with, with my mom and dad, we were able to actually sit down with them and not only go through the, the how has this affected our marriage, which we did very, very early on because it became really, really important to do that. But we were able to kind of walk through that with my parents, which is, a, you know, they were our age when we when we did this and I mean there was some serious brokenness on the part of both my parents and 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 us like my mom recognizing that wasn't the way to handle you know I wish I had handled this differently and to hear them be able to do that I would I would strongly recommend you know doing this together sitting down and talking about how you perceive how your parents have impacted your relationships, but also being being brave enough if, you know, and a lot of you do have parents in this room who really are seeking to still, you know, do and grow and all those kinds, sit down with them and say, you know, from our perspective, this is how I saw this. You know, I mean, some of the, the discussions that I had with, saw my parents have in their minds were not nearly as impacting as they were to us. So those kinds of things, you know, are very, very valuable. And then we also, all four of us would say that we we come from fairly, I mean, we came from safe households. We came from good households um, that are still together and are still processing this life. We recognize that there are many of you out here who don't even have a clue of what we're talking about because you didn't even have a safe household. And and so that we want to say, too, is you may have a different way of coming at this process, but it still is valuable um, to see because God provides the means of breaking these chains when we follow um, His commandments and His way of doing things. So you don't have to have... A, a home that is still together and was, you know, doing the very best that they can. Some of us came from places that they weren't even trying to do the best they can. So that that we want to put that out there, too, that that is not, uh, okay, a game over for you. This is this is something where you can enter into this and, um, and look at these very painful backgrounds and say, okay, but this can stop with me. And uh, so that's yeah. that's where we would go with that's that. That's so helpful, Angela, because that's kind of the way that Jen and I felt as we started this conversation. Um, and um, when I'm done here, I want to have Q&A, so think about any questions or comments you have. We looked at our homes, and someone asked us a question, so tell us about your early childhood. And basically, I said, everything's fine. And they looked at me with kind of a knowing smile, like, you're an idiot. I mean, they didn't say it quite like that, but after about half an hour, I'm like, yeah, I'm an idiot, you know. Because sin takes on a variety of looks, right? I mean, it can take on the look of externally abusive. I mean, you can fill in the blanks on all of what that looks like. But good grief, I mean, sin is, <laughs> sin is a part of your life if you're a middle-class, seemingly comfortable, casual, everything in order, life, great. It's just harder to see and therefore more destructive sometimes than that which is above the surface. So in my world, I'm like, hey, everything was fine because here's the things I checked off. Okay, my house didn't burn down. 
you know, my parents didn't yell at me, curse at me, kick me out of the house, or physical abusive in any way. They're still married. What more is there? Okay, I mean, I had a good childhood. Okay, sure. That's not it. That's not all there is. Sin goes goes further. It goes much further. And it's because of my theology, everybody's depraved. Therefore, the more I can understand the impact of my parents' sin on me, the more, the better I'm able to love. I'm not throwing anybody under the bus. It's just theological reality. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna zip it. Now let's talk. What are you What are you thinking? What are you processing? What are you kicking around? What don't, What don't you like? What clarity do you want? What kind of dirt do you want on Jen's parents? I mean, any of those categories are fine for tonight. This is so much fun to have the microphone. Tonight. This is awesome. No, seriously. Let, let's talk. What What um, How does this hit you? What are you thinking? Um, what can we do to keep kind of pushing this out in your own life um, as you're processing this this at a at a pretty pretty broad level here. Good. It was good. Yeah, Dylan. Um, I also have a big struggle, not even also with me, but with uh, my sister, who I know is struggling even more so than I am with developing better relations like with my mother. And then it started with teen fighting, but now she's in her like mid-20s and it's still bad relations. What should I be, I don't know, I always wonder what is my role in their relationship? Because they always try to treat me like a middleman. So what am I supposed to do? I don't want to, I don't feel like it's right necessarily for me to be the middleman, but I don't know what I'm supposed to handle that. Yeah. Yeah, I talked to our family pastor about that. I'm sorry. (laughs) We've had conversations, you know, before about your sister, and I'm still praying for her. it, it, it is not your responsibility to fix their fix their problem, okay? It, that that's not your responsibility, but you're part of the family and that that kind of stuff. And trying to take the steps of peacemaking and bringing two parties together that you know we've we've shared those those things. And if if you're in a situation like that, I have a great resource I'd love to get get give out to you and help you. It's uh, it's from Peacemakers, and. Uh, um, the biggest the biggest thing that that you can do is is maintain an open communication with both with, with both of them and uh, and then continue to encourage and provide opportunity and maybe even be able to facilitate some type of coming together between the two parties that that are uh, you know between your your sister and your mom and that that and, that, and that sometimes is really it's just a matter of praying and then when the opportunity is there loving well in both in both your relationship with her and, and and your sister and with your mom you know when god gives you an opportunity to share something that you know is their heart cry because oftentimes it's a matter of two languages that you understand both languages and they aren't understanding each other so sometimes you do become a translator and of their heart cry and, and uh, the 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 skill of learning to speak the truth in love both positive and those hard things um, is is something to pursue as well. It's good. 
interested. At some point, there may need to be, you really want to get after it, there may need to be a family counselor involved, a third party involved in helping that. Um, or you may need to come to the other conclusion and just say, this is the way life is going to be, and I'm going to be okay with that. And I'm going to respect mom and dad as they are, and they're going to respect me as I am. And if they don't, it's going to be on them. I'm going to still love them, but they're going to, going to need to have those limits. Good. Good. Other questions or comments as you keep kind of processing this? We don't always talk about depravity of mom and dad and, and all that, but I think it's an important thing to look at because of how it shapes us, and we can look right over it um, quite often. But, but other questions, comments? I know one of the things I was thinking of is that um, I'm assuming it's true across the board, but for us, being willing to talk about this stuff and deal with it takes away the um, kind of the excuse of, well, it's just the way I am. Like, it's just, I don't know how else to be, or it's just the only thing I know to do, or it, it, which just kind of becomes an excuse or a, a cover-up for, I don't want to talk about the hard stuff, or I don't want to deal with the things that maybe... Um, you know, haven't been that great for me, but being willing to talk about it and and open up about it kind of takes that away and pulls that off and lets you get deeper and and grow together. I think if you can also be very honest with each other about the things in your family that have have kind of made you the you know have shaped you the way that you are then you give your spouse the opportunity to understand where you're coming from and then help point it out and say you know I know that this is where we come from but this is how it affects me this is how it's affecting our our marriage anything that we can do in our marriages to give word pictures or give ways of communicating that is always incredibly important um, because as women and men, we have a basic misunderstanding sometimes. And if we, if we assume that the other party knows what we're thinking or where we're coming from, then we're putting a huge burden on that other person to fill needs that they can't possibly fill. Um, and that, that, that's the, the basis of all of this. Everything that we're going to say every week is based on communication. If you find yourself in, in times in your life where you're not talking about anything of any real importance other than your kids and your weather and the, you know, your, your schedule, then you are putting yourself in a position where you're not helping each other um, process the things and the thoughts and the, and the ways that we're doing things. Let me say this and we'll wrap it up here unless there's any other burning questions. There's been a bunch of burning questions so far. I can just sense that they're about to come to the service. Um, when we do premarital um, and have done it, to us, this is the most important thing to get after. If you were to take everything else away, this to us is the most important night. It's actually the longest night that we spend with couples and those who've been through it can testify to that. It's, all, it's the hardest, um, but it's also... And sometimes people think we hate them right in the middle of that. Like, hey, you guys don't Not like me, us. you. Uh, yeah, it's true. They like me. Yeah, I'm the, right? I'm Am the, I right? I'm the bad cop. That's a good cop. That's kind of the way that works. We have a swinging light in our you know, table we shine it on. Yeah. Come on! <laughs> that's not quite true. Um, although that would be fun. Wouldn't it? That would be fun. Sure. Let's try it. But I, for what it's worth to you, um, you know, I'll put it in this context. If there's... If, if you've never kind of had that time where you um, can do this and verbalize 
not just think about it and let it go in passing, but you can actually verbalize clearly, this is how mom and dad's sin has impacted me, then, then I don't know that you're ever going to be as loving and giving a spouse even as you would ever want to be. Um, for me, you know, I remember this moment, you know, like it was yesterday when, when we were walked through this with the help of essentially a life coach, call it a counselor, whatever you might want to call it. Um, and, you know, I was sitting there, we were sitting in this room and, and uh, the fellow had asked me, uh, okay, so, you know, tell me about your early childhood and, you know, what that was like. And, since then, like, it was fine, you know, and I kind of went over it, okay, remember, the house didn't burn down, right, no one yelled at me and whatever, my parents were still married and what else do you, do you need? Um, and as he kept pressing into my life, uh, there, was, there was essentially this moment, this kind of aha moment where I was, I was floored, to be honest with you, my um, world stopped spinning on its axis felt like I was hit with a two-by-four. And I, and I can remember that moment like it was this, you know, just a second ago uh, where you know, I just couldn't even speak anymore. Um, and you know, I, I, couldn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't go on. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, are you kidding me? Like, really? Like, he wasn't telling me something, but leading me into a depth of awareness of how I've been shaped. It wasn't disrespectful. It wasn't mean-spirited. It was simply a reflection, a deep reflection on the depravity of my parents on me. And I remember my world stopped, and I thought, I can't believe this. And here's, I, I can't believe that for all these years, I can't believe that for all these years, um, as a and as a guy dating this girl and then getting married and being a student and then being here at Grace Point and as a lead pastor and serving and leading, I cannot believe it for all these years, I didn't know it was right beneath me. I didn't know. I, I was, it was a blind spot, a major blind spot, and it has sh so changed me and shaped me in the last couple of years. It's, it's been dramatic. In fact, I remember Jen saying one time at home, I don't know if you remember this, but after this kind of deep processing and pain of getting on the scale and looking at this, it, it created such a um, kind of an, a, a, a changed me in many ways. She, she said, um, I don't know if you remember this, like, I don't know if I can keep up with you anymore. <laughs> and there was a freedom that came, not from throwing anybody under any kind of bus, but from all of a sudden realizing, this is who I am. This is who I am. Wow, this is who I am. And now that I know who I am, I am now freer to love and serve and lead than I've ever been before. And so for us and for me, for Jen, this, if nothing else, is, is the most important aspect of how we even handle and process and work through our premarital counseling and what we want to offer to you. So in 30 minutes or whatever we did in this session, we can only just tell you there's a land out there, visit it. We can't walk you through it. However, we are willing to do that beyond this session and kind of take your hand, walk with you, pull you through that, and move beyond this. If that's something that you have interest in, we would be happy to go into that land with you and say, let's go. Let's get after it. Because it's a matter, it's a matter of standing on the scale. You weigh what you weigh. It doesn't matter if you know it or not. It still impacts you. 
your parents impacted you, the only issue is whether you were able to verbalize it or not. It's still is shaping you, whether you can see it or not, it's still is shaping you. And the more you're able to verbalize it, the more you're able to love. All right? We love you guys. All right? Kind of heavy. We need a cookie. Ready? <laughs> One, two, three, go team. All right, we're going to take a 10-minute break. Thanks for your attention, guys. There's good stuff over there. And uh, we'll see you back here in about 10 minutes to be brought in by our, our skip people. Thanks, guys. It's good to see you tonight. I think you guys have something for us. <laughs> uh, what are you doing, Evelyn? Well, I was just about to put my shopping list together, and I can't seem to find my coupons. Mm. When did you last have them? That's a good question. Well, thank you. I remember having them at the grocery store two weeks ago. Three. Three? Yes. I think it snowed last Saturday, and the bus was canceled. That's right. I'm pretty sure I did have them with me three weeks ago at the grocery store, didn't I? I remember not being able to use mine. Your what? My coupons. That's because they were for things that you don't need. Everyone needs Lucky Charms. (laughs) Not when they're supposed to be watching their sugar intake. But they're magically delicious. Good grief. What what were we talking about? Um, Coupons. Right. So I had them at the grocery store three weeks ago. And do you remember what you did with them after that? I remember having them on Sunday when I was clipping coupons. Hmm. And what about after that? I'm pretty sure I put them in the kitchen drawer. Did you look in the kitchen drawer? Of course I looked in the kitchen drawer. That was the first place I looked. Well, what was the second place you looked? The second place was in my bag. Um, have you looked under your tablet? Under my tablet? Yes, I think that would be a very good third place Oh, to look. look. Here they are, sitting right next to me the whole time. How convenient. Indeed. Now, in order to make my list, I need to find my pen. Evelyn, dear. Yeah? Have you checked behind your ear? Edgar, my rear? <laughs> I think you need to turn your hearing aid up, dear. I said behind your ear. Oh, oh. There it is. <laughs> Thank you, my dear. What would I do without you? You have a hard time finding things, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, now I have a couple things for our list from the flyer. Okay. Oh, look, it's their buy one, get one free sale. Now, just because something is on sale does not mean we should buy it. How about potato chips? Okay, we can do potato chips. We can use them when the grandkids are here next week. Oh, I hear they like Lucky Charms, too. (laughs) They don't need the sugar either. I thought you said we were under budget for this month. We are, but that money is going to go into our savings in case we're over budget next month. Mm, That's too bad. Why is that? Because this here says it will make your knees feel 20 years younger. (laughs) Edgar, do you remember how your knees felt 20 years ago? Mm, No. 
They weren't that great then either. <laughs> but they're only $7.99. And it says if you buy the first one, you get the second one for free. For you, my dear. I'll pass. Now, I'm going to put down the regular things like the bread and milk and cheese, eggs, fruit. Is there anything else that we need? Um, chicken. I think I finished the last pack on Thursday. Okay. Did we use up the last of the ketchup? I believe we did. And look, it's buy one, get one free. <laughs> what? Why do we need two bottles of ketchup for the two of us? But the second bottle is free. We can't pass that up. Okay, I guess we can give it to one of the girls. Sounds good. Okay, so I need to go through my list of coupons here and figure out what I have. Oh, oh, someone's at the door. Oh, come in. It's open. <laughs> I have a delivery for Edgar Pongrass? Pongrats. Oh. It's Pongrats. Like, yeah. congrats? It rhymes with congrats? <laughs> <laughs> oh, come, come in, Sonny. Come in. Can you sign right here, please? Right? No, not, not there. Here, here. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. That's, Boy. That's strange. I don't remember ordering anything. I did. <laughs> it's the hurricane. Oh, Edgar. I don't know um, about you, and as we get our stage back, um, <clears throat> but growing up in the kind of home that I, uh, I grew up in, that whole coupon thing, buy one, get one free, was absolutely essential. And as a result, um, here's, here's part of the shaping influences again. Um, my parents were older than my, my wife's grandparents. My dad was 42 when I was born and uh, quite busy in ministry and the work that he was uh, involved in in, in in pastoring. And I had four older sisters. And the, my youngest sister was, um, was 11 years older than me. And so, like, I had four moms and my young my, my the youngest sister uh she thought that I was like a baby doll and she drug me around everywhere and did my hair and painted my 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 fingernails and toenails and all kinds of did experimented horrible things on on me when I when I was a child but one thing I I, I appreciate I can appreciate now was my I remember going very clearly I remember sitting in the and the buggy going around, or excuse me, the cart. We call it a cart up here down south. We call it, we're in the buggy. And uh, you, you go around the cart and uh, up and down the aisles. And I remember my mom teaching me about money, about finances, and about how to figure out what was the best deal and clipping coupons and the buy one, get one free. And my mom had a, um, he had, she had a what? <laughs> yeah, whether we needed it or not. Um, she had a, uh, uh, a, a very, very generous heart. 
and uh, would would buy, you know, oh, if, if it's buy one, get one free, she would always be giving something away and and doing that. And that kind of that kind of attitude towards finances um, really really spilled over into um, in, in, into our, our Angela and I's re- relationship. I uh, when we first um, when we first met, uh, I don't know if I've told you this story. I'm not going to get into all the details, but. <laughs> um, Angela was coming off a very serious relationship. She was engaged <laughs> uh, to someone else. And um, as a result, she was very, very hesitant and guarded about getting into another relationship and that kind of stuff. And so as a result, I had to date her and her two best friends at the same time, even though they weren't aware of it. The, the two best friends were well aware of that. And I remember the first time uh, I took her out for a big date, um, she didn't know that it was a big date, but it was huge. We went to McDonald's, and uh, <laughs> um, and so I offered to buy stuff for her and her friends, and and, and we 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 kind of do that. And the point the point is, um, the scripture teaches us that where your <clears throat> where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And I have never had an, an issue. Maybe my, I've, I've, I've gone too far sometimes um, taking this and saying, Honey, what do you want? What do you need? And my wallet has always been very, very open to sharing with her. And sometimes I didn't you know, didn't appreciate her frugality. Because um, on that, that first, you know, first time that we were out, you know, I offered, I, I was like, you know, hey, you want a number one meal? <clears throat> Big spender there. And uh, she was like, no, I'll just have a, just have a quarter pounder. And um, you want, would you like some fries with that? No, no, that's okay. And uh, so I, you know, she ordered her stuff. I got stuff for the other person, for Michelle. And, um, here I'm sitting with my stuff, and she starts eating my food. Just your fries. <laughs> I don't think you're on. <clears throat> and she starts eating my food. Okay, so there's this generous spirit that's, you know, hey. I'll buy you, I'll buy you a this. big fry. I'll buy you a big fry, but don't eat my fries. <laughs> I bought my fries. I wanted my fries. You know, so we, we, we've always had that kind of fun, fun uh, thing in here. Um, <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't fun. <laughs> It wasn't? No, he, he was very upset that I ate his fries. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do that anymore. I just get my own fries. <laughs> we all learn and grow, don't we? I'd like well, for you to take grow. your <laughs> I'd like you to take your, your sheet and, and, and Tim and I've been talking about I'm close to you, sorry. I like you being close. <laughs> uh, um Tim and I were talking about you know how yeah. Finances a lot of times is a hot button topic for uh, for couples. A lot of people uh, there's there's so many so many issues uh, when we start getting into the the topic of finances and how we handle our money. And 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 the truth of the matter is is that um, 
truly, you're, where your treasure is, there your, your heart is also. And if we don't get a handle on how we spend, how we budget, how we go about bringing two separate lives that have been shaped from two different you know, sets of parents or two different homes with two different worldviews as far as dealing with finances, and you bring them together and you're supposed to operate as, as one, you know, as, as, a, as a married couple, a lot of times there's some serious difficulties that you can have whenever you enter into the money zone. And so it is very vital that you bring your, your, your backgrounds together and you understand how you, how you handle your money, what's, uh, what's the motivation behind how we spend, where we, where we spend, where we're willing to, you know, to take an extra bit of uh, perhaps debt on for what reason, why or why not you know, do we do that. All of those decisions need to be come together and, and, and brought together. And what we have on the back, and, I'm, and we're not going to take the time to, uh, to, to go over e- each and every one of these, these uh, uh, categories um, in, on the back of your page. Uh, we have something called the Bible Finances and, and Generosity. It's, this, has been, this material has been adapted from uh, Chip Ingram. And Tim has used this uh, a lot over the years in his um, in his premarital counseling, and these principles are, are are true across the board, and we need to make sure that we certainly get a hold of these principles and make sure that we apply them to our lives. For instance, the you know here you look you look at the first four. Um, the first four principles. Of those four principles, I would say if we could truly understand that God owns it all, that we don't own anything, that we're mere stewards of what God has given to us, if we can grasp and understand the true meaning that God has given us and given us our, our, our jobs, the ability to make money, the bill, the uh, uh, the, the financial, the ability to, to go and have work, and that, he, that we are mere, merely stewards of what he has given to us, it will transform the way that we think about money, and then as a result, it will trans, transform the way that we open up our, our, our wallet and spend, uh, spend our wallet. That's good. Uh, picking that up, even looking at number four, they're under the general principles, that faithfulness with material wealth is a prerequisite to being entrusted with spiritual wealth and rewards. It's actually an amazing statement to think about that, and, <clears throat> and Jesus lays that out in Luke 16. He, he essentially says there, um, if you're not faithful with material things, who's going to trust you with spiritual wealth and rewards? Who, who's going to trust you? And it's an amazing statement to think about that, just to stop your financial worldview and your relationship with your significant other or just even how you're handling finances individually and think, so wait a minute, do you mean that there is a tie between our money world and our spiritual lives? Yes. There's a direct tie between whatever you do in managing God's resources and your spiritual vitality and spiritual life. So it's not just that we think it's a good idea to manage money well, not just that we think it's a good idea not to get in debt. Hey, remember, God owns it all. It, it's just biblical from the mouth of Jesus, it just seems kind of important to think that how we manage the resources that God has given us, it, there's a direct tie between that and our spiritual well-being. It's just the reality. And one of the things we press into then is this idea of generosity. 
generosity, 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 because that's kind of the New Testament ideal, the New Testament push. And if we're honest, it pushes us out of our comfort zone because all of us have, we operate by this assumption of the scarcity principle, right? That, that is that, that resources are scarce and I've got to get a hold of the resources I have because I might run out. And I don't want to run out and so I've got to get a hold. And when I get a hold, it's hard to be generous because I've got to get a hold of stuff. And so generosity pushes us out of that and reminds us that we never had control in the first place, which is why we even think about generosity and why Christ pushes us toward generosity. So five characteristics of generosity. If you, if you, as you're listening to this either online later or here this evening, you're thinking about, am I tracking with God's ideals about generosity? You've got to think in your own financial worldview, are we giving the first and best to God? Do we have a, do we have a plan? forgiving for being generous with our resources do we have a plan i mean you have a plan for how you're going to budget your money for food how you're going to get enough money for your kids or whatever okay do you have a plan for being generous with resources for god is is a proportional door income in other words as i make more am i giving more i mean is that is that proportional is it sacrificial and thoughtful volunteering worshipful all these things are helpful ways to think through how can i kind of begin to ungrasp if you will the the grip of of finances in my life and a lot of things we can run rick we can run smack into a a, a a brick wall and find ourselves actually worshiping this we don't think we don't think of it like that but we can find ourselves worshiping money because hey we're we've got bills and we have dreams and we we want to accomplish things we you know we we have needs and we have wants we have desires and we want to go on vacation and we need a new car and that and and what we can actually do we can become enslaved to this because we constantly have to work in order to satisfy the need that we think we have and we can sacrifice our homes our relationships our children because you know what's wrong with work nothing we, we work hard. That's, that's, a, that's a good thing. But if we do that to the neglect of the greater responsibilities that we have, we will find ourselves unknowingly, and one day we'll wake up and we'll realize that we're kneeling at the altar of mammon worship rather than kneeling at the altar of, God, how can I serve you with everything that I have? Now, that doesn't say that we don't work hard and we don't save and we don't spend and we don't budget. No, 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 no. <laughs> Absolutely not. But when we can run into the roadblocks that we have, a couple of roadblocks that we have listed here is obviously mammon worship, but, you know, the, the short-sightedness of not seeing that <clears throat> we only have a specific amount of time to accomplish the things, the things that God has given to us. And if we spend it planning and, and uh, being driven by a paycheck or a job or a project and we sacrifice that on the altar of relationship or service to God, that really hinders us. And it, and it ties our hands. We, we, find, we will find ourselves uh, with, with our hands tied. And the things that we want to do, we really won't be able to do. It, it also was really impacting to us this week when we spent time with Dan and Betsy Rudy, who he went to be with the Lord last Sunday. Um, when his siblings came in on Sunday morning, the one thing that they talked about was that they were raised to work very hard, that financial planning was, was drilled into them as a, as a family. And, um, 
and that he went to each and every one of them and said, don't, don't sacrifice the moments that you have with your children and with your family for work. Um, it's a good thing we have to do it because life is, 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 is about you know, making our bills and things like that. It came up in the sister's eulogy that that was an impacting thing to her. We have X amount of time on this, this earth, and uh, God promises to provide for our needs. He, he also wants us to have relationships. That's what we're built for. And I think that that was very, very impacting um, to me this week. It's so helpful to keep the last day in mind, isn't it? To, to put life in perspective with what is going to come at the end. Uh, and that's kind of, in a way, to finishing out this session on, 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 on these points, overcoming roadblocks, the idea of refusing to chase the wind. or I mean, who doesn't feel this intuitive pull of, man, if I'm generous, then there's less for me. <laughs> I mean, I, I've been saving for whatever, but if I give it, then I don't get it. I mean, who, who doesn't fight that if you're honest? I mean, this is what we fight, right? And this is, you know, biblically speaking, we look at Ecclesiastes and Matthew and First Timothy and looking and kind of how do we overcome those? And so here's what we'd say with these. We skimmed, we water skied over this, right? This material is worth scuba diving in your relationship. It's worth taking the time, date night or whatever it is, and looking at your financial worldview and saying, okay, if these principles are true biblically, how am I reflecting that in what our money situation looks like? It, it, just begin to talk through it. Now, for Jen and I, we're just going to kind of transition to what it looks like for us. Um, I'm married to someone who manages our money well for us and who is kind of gifted that way. It's my microphone. It's my, okay. Gonna... I'll turn it off. <laughs> All right. Or we'll get you on You'll turn it but, off. But, um. So we, it's important for us to, to know who does what. So my role with the money is nothing. And that's about all, that's about all I have to say about that. So not, not quite. Um, but the way we work is I tend to think a little more big picture about um, what are the plans, where are we going with this. Um, and I like to have regular certainly annually, often quarterly, revisits of our budget. We keep a monthly budget. We've kept a budget since we've been married. Um, some people think, I don't need a budget because I make enough money not to be on a budget. And I think, who makes enough money not to be on a budget? Really? Like, that doesn't make sense to me. I, I, so you don't care? I'm sorry. It just is, That's beyond my capacity to understand because you don't, if you don't know where the money's going... How do you how do you manage that well? I mean, I, I'm so I'm kind of lost on that one. But the the idea of a budget, and here's why it's helpful for Jen and I is um, we haven't argued about money in fifteen and a half years. I mean, since we've been married, we we've had discussions, <laughs> chats, yes, but it's. It's in the context, it's, not, it's never in the context of, why did you spend that? We didn't have it. Because the budget is a tool that some people think, oh, I can't be so disciplined to do that. And I mean, we all know if we're disciplined, it frees us, right? Discipline is not enslaving, it's always a freeing reality. So the more disciplined I am in whatever, the more free I become. And so the more disciplined we are with our money, the freer we become in relationship to one another. So of all the things we have to fight about, we can at least say that we've been really grateful to have a a quantifiable budget that we've looked at every month and said, we, we just don't fight about the money. And that has really been helpful for us. Um, and 
one of my benefits for me is that Jen is good at managing that and kind of working that through. But we will review that quarterly, certainly annually, and look big picture. Okay, where are we going a few years from now? What's our giving look like? What's our planning look like? Blah, 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 and kind of go through that. So that's some of what we do. Jen kind of manages the day-to-day, week-to-week. I keep the receipts of everything that I do in my whole entire life, which some are like, oh, hey, why don't you turn that off? We'll give it a try. Um, so I, I keep the receipts and everything, and then Jen kind of manages that and pushes it out in the day-to-day, and everybody's happy in our little world. So that's, that's how we've tried to get a hold of this, is taking this content, this material, pushing it through in our world, and because money can be an issue in which you will fight, for us, we've been grateful that a budget has freed us, or we're just not. That's one less thing that we, that we fight about and, and argue about. Well, when, uh, when we were in college, Angela was able to talk her way out of taking a math class <clears throat> uh, in order to graduate. And um, so she, um, she has issues with, with, with numbers, and um, we, won't, we, won't go in, we won't go into that. Um, and, and, and so I, 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 do, I do the numbers, the numbers uh, stuff. But one, one real important thing, and I, touch, I just touched on it briefly last week, is back to the shaping influences and whatnot. It was drilled into me, you know, son, you're the protector of the home and that kind of stuff. And when, when, when we moved from one state to another, went from one ministry to another, <clears throat> our house was on the market for 19, 19 months, 20, 20 months. Uh, so we're paying double mortgage, double everything, you know, that kind of stuff. And uh, it had taken a big step down in pay in order. $11,000 pay cut to you know, go it, to this ministry. To go to this, to go to this, you know, so it's, it wasn't about the money, uh, but it quickly became about the money. <laughs> and, um, and, and as, as we, we, we went through that, that week after week after week after month after month after month of this thing not selling, not selling, not selling, not selling. We were destroyed it, financially uh, we during were, that time. We were absolutely wiped out. And my trying to protect her, I didn't tell her all of the stuff that was going on in that. And, and to be honest with you, I, I am not dumb. I just don't do well with numbers. I knew we were in You're bad shape. Dumb. I but I wanted to, okay. <laughs> but I, I wanted to keep my head in the sand. Uh, I was not a help me to him at that point. It was easier for me to ignore it than it was to to help him. And so there was a day when I was just like, oh, how do I have this conversation? We, and, I, and I sat down and I laid out exactly what was going on with our finances and how in trouble we were and, and thinking, we're going to lose this house. We're going to be absolutely wiped out. It was amazing over a process. It took a, it took a day. It took a day, uh, you know, for, for that to process and, and, and go in. We had been married 10 years at this time, and I felt like at that point we got on the same team. I and mean, we were, we were really on the same team. We had a goal in mind, and I became a helpmeet to him. I, I took the responsibility of making sure that, okay, we're not going out to eat. So I will have dinner on the table when you get home. I, you know, I will take that burden off of you. So we became a team. I was a stay-at-home mom. $40 I made every two weeks cleaning a lady's house. That went in an envelope and went towards debt reduction. I mean, we as wives, whether we're, we're the ones who are handling the funds or the husband is, we, those are areas where we can both submit 
and we can be a help meet. Um, we submit it to each other. He wants to, if I say I, I want something and I know this well about him, he will move heaven and earth to make that happen for me. So I need to keep my mouth shut when we don't have the money to do it. And that's hard. Who doesn't want to have, you know, the things they want to have? That's how I'm a help me to him because I understand his heart and I understand his shaping influence. That's how we become help meets to our husbands. Um, and you don't, um, you don't touch the checkbook. In in my case, and 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 when and 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 when when we when we came when we came through that, and I began to uh, to be more open. I went to her dad and talked to her dad and that kind of stuff. And he went over the numbers and he looked at it. And with tears in his eyes, he said, "I don't know how you did it, but you guys have come together in a way that I've never seen anybody come together and attack something and be able to take care of this issue." And so that communication, as far as finances are concerned, and the way that you handle your money and the way that you think about money. All are influenced from mom and dad. And then as you bring that two, the, those two things together and you live and, and, and spend together, boy, it makes all the difference in the world. And so there are some tools that we use uh, that, that we've you know, got an Excel spreadsheet and then there's you know, Quicken and all that. There's, there's incredible uh, resources, resources that, are, that, are, that are out there. And so that's how the, the, the finances things in a quick snapshot has worked. For us, and uh, God has radically changed, you know, the way that we deal with money. Excellent. Um, last comment to add to this quick, and then we'll, we'll push this out. Um, I would encourage you, if you don't have someone, if you're married, um, to have someone identified as a 51% partner in the relationship on this, okay? Someone who, who owns it, who you can't both be in charge of the finances. If you both are, no one is, and I think we kind of know that. But if you're thinking about getting into a relationship with somebody, Who's going to manage your finances and who's going to help support that? It would be helpful to have that. Um, anything you want to add, Jen, about the, the process or anything like that? It's like my favorite topic, so no, <laughs> I won't go on. Um, yeah, just the importance of being on a budget. I mean, with you know couples that are getting ready to get married, we help them set up what they think their first budget will be like. Um, and then just you know, one of the things that we try to remember, our experience was... Um, you know, we kind of got married and got the budget all together, and then before I knew it, we were moving, and everything changes. Or then you have a baby, and everything changes. And just to keep in mind that it's always fluctuating, but you still, it's just still maintaining that discipline of keeping track of where your money goes. Um, yeah, it just really cuts down on, you know, when you come to me and say, do we have the money to deal with this? Or like the other week when the washing machine broke, it wasn't like, oh, no, what are we going to do? Okay, here's the plan. Let's walk through it. Take care of it. Yeah, and if for nothing else, okay, if you don't even think, if you're not even thinking biblically or theologically, a, a budget will help you fight less, okay, and have less stress in your life. Because come Christmas time, when you have to buy gifts for everybody and their their uncle, and you're like, well, I don't have the money. I need bonus. I need overtime. And they're cutting back at work. And oh, what do I do? Okay, a budget will help you lay out from January into December. If you already set aside, you know, X number of dollars a month for what you need, you're you're ready. You're right. It's just less to fight about. It's less stressful. I mean, it's as simple, just at a practical level. It's just even a simple 
simple way to do that. Okay, so we have ways to help you with that, and, and we can, if you're in that spot where you're saying, man, I would, you know, the budget thing, I don't know if I can do it, sounds kind of constricting. Let me encourage you to think about it, and let me encourage you to say, hey, let's have a conversation. We can provide resources to you. There's also stuff online. Um, Crown Financial Ministries is good. I don't know a ton about Dave Ramsey just because I don't know a ton about Dave Ramsey, but I've heard mixed reviews, good, bad, whatever. I, okay, so have fun with that, okay? Kind of explore, see what works. Um, Larry Burkett is somebody we've used in the past. I think he's dead now. He's right? dead. Yeah. He's crown financial. Uncle Larry. Okay. <laughs> we had an old video, videos, right? VHS on Larry. We called yeah. him Uncle Larry. He, it was pretty funny. All right. So, yeah, I, we did learn a lot from Uncle Larry. All right, I digress. I digress. All right, here's the thing. Next week, this is going to be a fun week next week. We are, we are going to fight next week. This is going to be cool. So, so come ready. Come ready to fight with somebody. And, yes, we're going to fight up here. It's going to be fun. So we're going to do a little role play next week. We're going to talk about communication um, further. So you see a little bit of homework on your handout right there, okay? Um, so I'm just going to go over it real quick. In a paragraph, write down your natural tendency when facing conflict. So how do you feel about it and what do you do about it? Okay, so in a paragraph, write that down. And you might be saying, I never write anything, never written since, you know, fourth grade. All right, just try it for a week. Number two, communication. Recall your biggest or best disagreement and be ready to come fight about it. Um, by best, I mean worst, okay? I mean, that, that's what I mean. And, and be ready or whatever you think you can share safely with humanity around you without actually, you know, turning that into something really negative. So, so that's the homework. And next week we're going to do some role play and, um, and we're going to do some up here and, and let you guys go from there. And I think before we wrap it up, we've got door prize, if I'm not mistaken, one more comment from we've got just, Dr. Just, uh, just one more thing. How many of you uh, did your homework from last week as far as communicating love? Oh, I, that was the first hand that I saw. Okay, you did that. What'd you do? Do you mind sharing? You gave him gifts all the way. That's fantastic. Woo! So as a result, you get a gift. One of the displays that are around here, we'll talk about it afterwards. Anything that you want, it's yours. Okay, that's it. And then this week, the homework is to... Uh, undivided attention. Uh, this is a person who, when you are talking to them and she continues to make salad and, and carrots and everything, you are frustrated because she's not making eye contact with you and she's not looking at you and she's not listening to you. Um, so you're probably a person that receives love by undivided attention. Um, you, uh, you, well, anyway, so this week, whether this is your gift of love or whether you receive love this week, um, we are talking about um, sitting down and spending time together where you are actually paying close attention to what is being said by the person saying it. Um, this might be a good opportunity to talk about your parents or about your finances, but for that person who receives love this way, it doesn't matter what you're talking about. You are spending time with your person. So that's what we want you to do this week. And Even if it's five, ten minutes when you have small children, that might be, you know, in the bathroom or somewhere. But just make sure it happens. And that being said, as we leave, check under your seat for your love you tag. If you have a love you tag, uh, you can check under your seat now. Um, we have and we'll a, provide for one couple one a more. place to have this conversation. Yes, we'll provide a place for a couple to have a conversation. Aha, and we have a winner here. Congratulations. 
that and go to uh, my first serious dating place with my wife, the IHOP. Yes. I didn't know we were dating. It was when we when I knew we were on board, we went to IHOP a lot. Have a good night. Thank you all.